Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 146. Um, I don't want to say this is like the kind of get it out of the way episode, but it, it kind of is the get it out of the way episode because it's the last episode before we get into spoopy season. And you know, I count down the days and the episodes till we get to October <laughs> stuff. Um, that's next week. We'll burn that bridge when we get there. But for now, we're going to talk about best movie speeches slash monologues that impact us the most. I know there's going to be some people that are like, well, why didn't you have this or this? It's like, just because they're famous doesn't mean they hit us Mm -hmm. specifically. Um, And also, specific speeches are kind of hard to do. That's why we kind of open it up to monologues. So we kind of Mm -hmm. have the parameters of any big, heady, weighty, uh, dialogue-heavy scene that's primarily carried by one individual will be considered for today. Uh, dramas, even some comedies, all things are considered for this list today. But first of all, Josh, how you doing today? And way to rock some merch there, bud. Hey, thanks, man. My Uncharted Media shirt came in, and I'm really... It, dude, I'm like... and You and I were talking about this before we got on here, but... um. I am honestly super surprised with the quality of shirt T Public is putting is giving. Like I got two shirts. I got this one. I got another super nerdy shirt from them. And holy cow, they fit great. And like this is not like the spots. Like this is not a plug. We're not. I'm not being paid to say this. Like it legitimately like a very comfortable shirt. And I would. I'm probably gonna be buying more from them soon. Uh, I am doing perfectly great today i had a great night's sleep had a good bm um to quote <laughs> to men in tights right there yeah i literally like almost every morning i i i that that quote hits me in the head like every now and then i, know, I, like, I can't stand bad news bad news i had a good night's sleep had a good bm don't ruin it like oh with bad news well what yes. are you gonna tell me well frankly sir it's bad news oh <laughs> Well, maybe if you tell me good news and a bad, no, sorry, the bad news in a good way. It won't sound so bad. A... Um, no, gonna, we're going to go down. <laughs> I can literally quit that tangent. whole scene. Why are you laughing? This is terrible news. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Um, I'm actually kind of proud of us right there. I, uh, no, yeah, man. I, it's been a pretty chill couple days. I always have two days off. Um, so I go five hard and then two days off. So I'm, I've been rocking them hard. I lost my wallet for like a whole hour yesterday. Uh, it was just fell out of my pocket <laughs> when I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I, I'm in the same boat, man. So I think this is the first time I've ever gone on record saying this, but there was a time in high school that I genuinely lost my wallet for maybe about four to five months. Jeez, dude. <laughs> like in your high school, you're not spending a whole lot of money. Yeah. But it like dropped on the side in my car somewhere. So I'm like... Well, I have no idea where it is. I did eventually find it in my car, but I'm just thinking, okay, how far in life can you get without your driver's license or a credit card or whatever? In high school, you can get away with it for quite a while, apparently. Yeah, um, just, just don't, don't get pulled over. But I remember leading up to it, my family and I were going on a trip, and your, my parents were like, all right, and then just remember you need your driver's license. And I'm going, sure, yep, yep, I know where that is. It's in my wallet. They didn't know I lost it. And I'm like, oh okay it'll show up somewhere <laughs> but i'm sure it will yeah um but josh are you watching anything good lately <sighs> oh you're just watching stuff then <laughs> so i haven't really watched much um that is because i've been trying to slog my way 
with my dad through uh, season three, the final season of Enter the Badlands. Um, I don't know if the show is getting worse or if I'm just emotionally over it. Because, by God. There is so many t- like I I'm literally I'm talking this way because I want to curse so bad because there's so much <laughs> in this show like I'm to the point okay I don't want to the show's been out for a while so I'm gonna probably ruin some stuff I, I've got three we've we've got two or three episodes left in the series um so I'm hoping hoping that they do some stuff that like. I, they can't save the show, but at least send it off in a good way. Yeah, don't um, be just the worst to go out. Yeah, how I met your mother. Because one of my favorite characters dies in a, in an episode, and then they literally bring him back to life the next episode. So I was like, ah, okay, cool. So cheap little like, oh, they killed Baji. How did they do? Why did they do that? So Marvel He's took it over. And then I just sort oh and like there's so many times where like they they've worked so hard through the first two seasons to turn all the female characters into really strong like people and warriors and who don't need nobody and then season three they're just like we gonna fall in love with everyone and it's gonna be that and it's like this weird like at one point, and I'll, I'll say this one thing, and then I'll kind of pass it back over to you. Um, don't hit your mic, guys. That's not how that works. Um, the one scene that is lit, my dad and I were literally like, I don't scream at the TV often, but it's at least during, not during a movie or a show. But like literally, the guy, uh, uh, Regent Moon, has an, a literal crossbow bolt in his chest. And we saw it happen, and then the end of the scene happens, and this the uh, uh, the viceroy Lydia she oh she's got a cut in her in her side and is bleeding out, but we didn't see it happen, so it was like oh gotcha look she's dying and he's like oh, oh oh what do I do and she's like take me home and so they ride, like literally basically like a day's worth of a ride back to her place because a. Apparently there were no medics at the battlefield um, to so that she can see her personal doctor so that she doesn't bleed out. All the while, boy got an arrow Thanks, in his chest. Like, what do you do? I don't. I was like, you should both be dead from blood loss. Like, this does not make any sense. And my dad's been giving me a hard time. But, like, literally, like, there's been one character that has been doing like top tier martial arts stuff but it's so unbelievable because she's wearing like i kid you not six inch stilettos the whole time and i'm like i i want to believe that this is possible but bro you just did a triple backflip and like you can't i can't i can't i can't i can't okay oh i i kind of feel like at some point probably Next episode, I'm gonna have to like rage because we'll all be over it, and it'll be, and we'll we'll know that whether or not they ended it on a good note or not. So, and well, since Josh has raged, considering I'm, I tried to be the more optimistic one. It is ironic that I'm the one that rages more often than you on yeah. here, but maybe Josh is overdue for a good old fashioned rage. Um, so I've started Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass on Netflix. Okay. Okay. Um, 
do not go into it expecting a horror series or anything similar to what he's done before. I like it so far, but it is drastically different than his previous stuff. It is definitely much more of seeing the social implications of radical religion, basically. Of like it's a small town with one Catholic church and you've got some people that are very traditional in that religion and that way of life and very much stick to their regime and their regiment. Um combined with some weird stuff that's happening around town that at least so far in the first three episodes isn't really dealt with a whole lot. Like there's little teases at the end of every single episode just to remind you, oh yeah, there's some spoopy stuff happening. But as a whole, it's definitely more of a drama than a horror series. And I, I don't mind it. I like it better than Bly Manor so far. But it all depends on how it sticks the landing. Um, yeah. And I think it's... I have much better time with this than Bly Manor. Because since it's so different than Hill House, I'm not comparing it to Hill House constantly. And the story is so different. Whereas Bly Manor, I felt like, was just kind of the leftover pieces from certain Hill House storylines that he wanted to go with. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is so different that it doesn't bother me as much. Great performances all around. So I'm sure by next week I'll have it done because there's only seven episodes total. They're all about an hour each. Um, it, it is different, but don't ex- go into it expecting a horror series. It's definitely more of a um, drama than anything else. Uh, cool. I also watched the Jessica Beale Texas Chainsaw just uh-huh. because. I don't know. Um, you it's like yourself? I, is that like is that what this is? No, I have those moods where you're just like I kind of want some background horror of like some <laughs> some, some brain dead horror. Yeah. Of like yeah. just just put it on. And honestly, as far as remakes go, I've seen far worse. Like I I could have fun with it at least, and she wasn't a bad protagonist. Um, it wasn't awful. Uh, then again, I don't particularly care about a lot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. The first one is. Okay, even the first one is just fine to me. Like, I've never really got the appeal of it. Leatherface has never really scared me. But this was fine and enjoyable. And then the one that's going to surprise Josh that I've never seen, I watched the first two scary movies. I've seen bits and pieces of the second one. Um, but I hadn't okay. seen the first one at all. Okay. The first one, I think, is fantastic. Having now seen I Know What You Did Last Summer and Scream, like, it does such a clever job of parodying those but then the drop-off is so immediately noticeable even just going to the second one you're just like oh so you're not even trying to spoof anything anymore you're just doing gags from scene to scene like i get that you're spoofing the haunting in the second one but the first one at least like tried to play up the tropes from i know what you did last summer and scream and i got a bone to pick with both scream and scary movie scream how is it the scary movie the comedy has the better and more logical plot twist at the end with having <laughs> Doofy be the actual killer. And I'm going, wait, looking back on Scream, that actually would have made a whole lot of sense and actually something I would have preferred going. And then they like spoof the usual suspects. I'm like, but, but knowing what we know about Scream, that actually would have made sense and probably would have been just as good, if not a better ending to yeah. have a third killer like come on okay. what the heck but but two is infinitely more quotable oh. <laughs> like with the, the little let me hand. get it with my strong hand, strong hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't 
can't. There's there's just so much in two that is so genuinely funny that it's like like when the couple tell. Okay, look, you you're talking to the guy that watches Jackass movies for fun because I think they're absolutely hilarious. Okay, but like when when the couple's like, oh, don't let the don't let the the you know we'll both just walk around the sign, we're not split. But if you split, it's bad bad luck. And this other couple's like, whatever, and doesn't get immediately gets smacked by a bus. It's like, come on, that is classic slap. Like I can't. I don't like. I, I will give you that the quality drop off definitely keeps going. After, oh god! Yes, I've seen clips of two. five. I'm going. What the heck is this? Two for me is like quintessential, like top, uh, like parody humor. Uh, just because it's just, it's they don't even care. Like you know what? Let's take this movie and we're gonna do whatever we want with it. Like why not? What, and what, two what has Tim Curry. Wrong? Let's not forget about Dude, that. Dude, he's so good. Ah, there's just. Uh, the the running ga- the the little I think it's one of my favorite joke lines of between the guy in the wheelchair and the guy with with one <laughs> with the messed up hand and it's like oh would you like me to give you a hand oh yeah of course do you Here. want a standing ovation <laughs> I love it I love it I love it uh, I I will still lean more towards the first one because it's still at least trying to spoof something in particular as opposed to just random clips from here and there. But then again, maybe it's just because I like I Know What You Did Last Summer and Scream a lot more than I like Owen Wilson's The Haunting. Oh, wow. And it's not really spoofing that super, super well. No, it's not. Not at all. (laughs) It's just a comedy. But also, I will say, Scary Movie, both of them, did not wait to see if certain references would stand the test of time for them to be in the movie like as much as i laugh because i know what they're acknowledging if kids nowadays watch the original scary movie and a stoned ghost face calls somebody what's up kids are not gonna know what that means that is so dated there's so much dated humor but it's whatever there's certain touches in the original scary movie that i'm like oh you were paying attention to the details here. I, I'll give you that. I'm trying to remember what it was, but there was one part in particular that I actually like laughed out loud hard, but I can't can't remember what it is now. Um, I, I'll stop it too, though. <laughs> I'm, I won't venture <laughs> <Yeah>. past that. <laughs> I would, I'm not going to blame you on that one. I think uh, two is a good one just because I think a lot of people my our age like reference two. Oh, um, yeah, and a one, lot. One, one, one is just good. It's just so good. Let's get in the news, shall we? Cause Let's do it! Kicking us off with the news this week is um, one that kind of came out of nowhere because it seems like some... Well, I get the sense that like there's some high-powered lawyers or whatever that just kind of weren't paying attention to their calendar and just went, Oh, crap, that's today, isn't it? As <laughs> Disney and their lawyers are now suing the heirs of certain Marvel characters so they can retain creative control. So it's a little complicated, uh, but the basic gist of it is the comic book creators, the heirs of those creators, like the children of Stan Lee, the children of Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, etc., are basically claiming that, hey, after this certain window, since our parents created these characters, they belong to us. Characters like Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Black Widow... Um, Iron Man, all these characters belong to us now. So Disney obviously has a lot to lose with this, and they're countersuing basically and saying, no, you don't have the rights to this. I am no legal expert here, and I'm not even going to try and pretend to be, and I don't fully 
comprehend it. So we're going to try and comp uh, translate this to you as best as we can. But again, I, and especially not Josh, are not legal consultants. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> no, neither of us. I can give you all kinds of legal advice. <laughs> yeah, neither of us are legal counsel I... in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All we can do is throw up this fun graphic with Mickey with a gavel. Um, <laughs> so do with that. Just go with that. Uh, but uh, so I know a lot of people are just like immediately going worst case scenario of oh, you're saying Disney could lose Marvel. There's some people that are going good. Good for them. Billion dollar companies not having the intellectual property anymore. And then there's other people that are even more ignorant to the situation that are just going, good. Then that means Sony will own Spider-Man out. I'm just going, uh, uh, that that's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah. If if the heirs claim back Spider-Man, etc., Sony doesn't own Spider-Man and Disney doesn't own Spider-Man. That, that's how the legal system works. Yeah. I'll tell you, though. I'm not overly concerned about this because the same thing happened about seven years ago with DC and Superman. The descendants of Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster sued DC basically saying, hey, um, our descendants created this character, therefore we own it. And I believe all the same people are involved in this in terms of the um, attorneys, the lawyers, the teams in question are still exactly the same. It's just the people suing and the suees are different. But the people actually fighting the war, I don't believe are different. Which makes me go, okay, same combatants in the legal field. What makes this fight any different than the last one? Now, we can go into a little bit of, heaven forbid, if Disney loses this lawsuit, what that could mean. Because I don't think it's as drastic as some people assume. But Josh... You see this. Were you surprised by this at all? Do you think – how do you – what do you make of this? No, I'm with you on that of like the it, – it almost seems like somebody was like, oh, oh, that's today? Oh, okay. Uh, countersuit. Go, go, go. I don't know. Like it just – I it, it seems like somebody just forgot about dates and stuff like that. But I – and part of it – like I, I don't want to make assumptions about – the heirs but like how how it feels really arrogant to look at what these companies have done for the comic book industry for the comic book movie industry regardless if you like the movies or not they're you're still getting those characters in front of more people um and your response is yeah no i want i want to own those those are you know, see this piece of paper. It says I rightfully own them. They're mine. Uh, I, it doesn't make sense to me. To me, it, it like, well, okay. Why, why do you have to take away the, the creative freedom or the creative uh, ownership of that? Why can't you just be like, hey, like because, we are the you know the family. We do deserve like royalties or a cut or, or something. I think like that's that. more what this is about. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think if this deal, if something happens here, I don't think Disney would lose the rights to keep making stuff in the MCU. I think this would be more of the heirs going, these are multi-billion dollar franchises, we want a cut of this. So I see if this happens, which I don't think this will happen because Disney has the highest level lawyers they can afford basically they're the best in the business except when it comes to scar johansson you're gonna lose that battle easily go scar joe yeah. um <laughs> in this case disney's probably gonna win this one just because it was 
you guys worked for Marvel, so the property belongs to Marvel, not the individuals that make it type of thing. Um, yeah. That's just how businesses run. But if the heirs get the rights back to these characters, what I see happening, I know some people will be like, it's theoretically possible that Thor could show up in a Superman movie or Spider-Man could show up in a Batman movie. I'm going, I don't think so. I think it would just mean the heirs own the rights and they can license it out to other people like a Disney or like a Sony to the point of, yeah, the heirs could be like, you can keep using your characters, but we want 10, 20 million each movie that you use these people in. I think that would be the only real difference. Um, Mm -hmm. The heirs would now be getting a cut of it, basically. Yeah, which is still a little, like, shady of, like, "You're you're coming forward now? Okay, cool, whatever. Granted, I don't know how the copyrights terms have been working and and how all the those that uh all those paper that paperwork has been filed and all that again we're not legal people but like but also keep in mind disney's the king of copyright there's a reason why mickey mouse has never left disney and never will leave it because they've more or less twisted the u.s government and trademarks around for the sole purpose of keeping their own ips now some people have gotten way down the rabbit hole of hypotheticals um and somebody had one that i was like that would be interesting uh if the heirs get the thing back does that mean sony does not own spider-man anymore and marvel could straight up buy it back which that would be actually super interesting does marvel sacrifice this or maybe they work it into a deal. Oh, that would be interesting. Because yeah. that's the interesting that's the interesting twist here. I was not paying attention to stuff like that, but somebody suggested. I was like, "Oh, that's a that's a chess move there. That's a very oh. risky chess move." Yeah, because, but then like, where does that leave Venom? And because then that uh, leaves and Sony Mo- and Mo- Disney more or less in a bidding war for Spider Man. And if that's the case, Disney's going to outbuy Sony any day of the week. And Venom comes out later this week, and I already have my tickets for Friday morning to see it before going to work. I think it's going to be connected sooner rather than later from some of the stuff we're hearing from Venom. Um, yeah. But I, mm. I, I've I, said for a while, I think I've said it on the podcast before, um, within the next four to five years, I expect Spider-Man to be back with marvel full sale like completely and mm-hmm. maybe that opens the door for that i'm not sure but i don't think this is as serious as some people are making it out to be i think people just read the headline if disney may lose control of their characters and like yeah there's no way bro no it's like saying disney might lose mickey mouse yeah there's a one percent chance of that happening but there's a 99 percent chance of it not happening i think yeah it's just one of those easy click uh, headlines that people have been following for him going, Disney's legal team, we've been through this before with Superman. I don't think anything changes this time around. Yeah, and I think the, the other thing to, to keep in mind too is like there's no way that Disney wrote up the licensings uh, agreements and contracts without having this in mind. Like, I don't know how you just forget about the heirs might want to come for money or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm with you. I, I don't think anything really significant is going to happen at all now next up we've got stuff and announcements for disney plus's 2022 release date as i don't know 
who officially reported this, but some Disney's more or less come out and said that for 2022, you can look forward to seeing Andor, Mandalorian Season 3, and the Kenobi series, which it was interesting to note that I didn't even know Andor was filming, but apparently according to uh, the lead actor, Diego Luna, they just finished filming Andor like a day or two ago. I'm going, oh, didn't even know you started. Like, at least with Kenobi, you saw, like, set photos or whatever else. Um, that being said, Weird. Andor is probably my least anticipated of the three of these. I, I... didn't like Rogue yeah. One, really. I don't see the point of this. It's like, why do you give these characters backstory and emotion after you've killed them off, <clears throat> Black Widow? Um, it's the same thing. And honestly, they weren't characters I liked to begin with. I didn't particularly care for casting Andor. They're like, oh, he's different and interesting because he kills people. And he's he's worse than Han Solo. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't fix the problems of Rogue One as a movie. How is it that the most interesting and human character in the whole movie is a robot voiced by Alan Tudyk? Like, if you told me it was a K2SO series, much more interested in that because I thought he was a lot better. Uh, but yeah, I'm not interested in Andor at all. Mando season three would be my most anticipated of the year. <laughs> Had the good Lord on high that is Obi-Wan Kenobi played by Hugh McGregor not be returning in all of his majestic glory. However, I do still have some reservations about the Kenobi series, but we can get into that in a little bit. Josh, you see that we're supposed to get three new Star Wars series, not four, which means the book of Boba Fett is probably the end of this year. Of the three of these, what are you most looking forward to? What are you least looking forward to? General thoughts about the the Star Wars slate in 2022. Yeah, no, that, that, that works for me. I'm kind of with you on the Andor. I didn't know. See, you at least knew it was going to be a show. I didn't for some reason. Like, this is like you putting this on this list and him being like, hey, we're done filming. I was like, oh, oh, this, that's a show? Uh, oh, okay, uh, uh, like had no absolutely no clue that was happening so um but i'm i'm with you in that like i personally enjoyed rogue one i appreciated what they tried to do it's not perfect and it's hard to get behind characters when you know they're going to not be there by the end of the movie um but also andor was not He's not the guy that I, of that film that I would have been like super down for down to see more of. So I, we'll see what happens. Maybe they turn they do something with him that's entertaining at least. Who knows? Um, Mandalorian season three, absolutely. Let's go. Super stoked. Um, Kenobi got me good. Okay. So here's the thing. This is how excited I am for the Kenobi series. I got duped again. Again? Like, Dude! Again, I got duped. It was like, hey, teaser trailer for Kenobi. And I was like, ooh, okay. And I don't know what movie he was in that was like sand-based. The Last Days uh, of Jesus. There you go. So Something like that. I don't know if that's the specific a title, but yeah. Scenes. yeah. It was a bunch of scenes from that. In, in, like intercut with some scenes from Rogue One, like him being on Jakku and stuff. And I was like, oh, that would be inter interesting to see 
you know, oh, he, maybe he was on, and like just going through this whole teaser and like being like, oh, this is so cool. I don't know why his hair is a different color and why everything else is a different color. This is so weird. And then like I looked down in the description and it said fan made teaser. I was like, no, oh, so mad. This is like for those listening. I got duped. What was it for? It, for far from for no, far from no home? way home. No way home. And it was literally like it opened up with a couple scenes from the other the other Spider-Man movies and then hit me with a Rickroll. And I was like, dick, dick, come it. All right, fine. Now, the one so, that always makes me laugh, I'm going, are you people really that dumb? Is every couple months I'll see you circulating on my timeline, people sharing the quote-unquote High School Musical 4 trailer? And I'm going, yeah. guys, if you're watching this, look at this. They're blatantly just using footage from the old movies. This yep. is not a new trailer. <laughs> Y'all yep. know what fan-made trailers are. Um, so I'm excited for Kenobi. Yeah, I've been, absolutely. there's no secret. This is like the top of my list of things that I've been asking for and clamoring for basically since we started this channel. Um, I remember being basically the boy who cried wolf of all oh, Kenobi projects happening back when it was supposed to be a movie, but then the Bullfit movie got canceled. Rogue one didn't deliver as much as they were hoping for. Then solo was solo. And then they scrapped all the solo movies, which was going to be Kenobi. Then it got reworked into a series. So we've been following this for a very long time. I still have some reservations, though. As soon as they said, Hayden Christensen will be back as Darth Vader, I'm going, that, I think, kind of goes against the timeline, doesn't it? Because we were led to believe in episode four, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Like, it seems like they had not seen each other since Mustafar. I'll be very curious how they will address that. And also... I've made no qualms about how I think Aiden Christensen is a terrible actor. And yes, he had terrible dialogue he had to deliver, but I've seen him in other things, and I still don't think he's that great of an actor. Maybe this show can redeem him, like it redeemed Boba Fett. Don't come at me. Boba Fett was just a lame character in the movies before, uh, before Mando made him Mandalorian awesome. Like, two, yeah. He wasn't interesting in the original trilogy. Sorry, he looked cool, but he didn't do anything. So maybe that exact same thing will happen here to... Um, to Darth Vader, to Hayden Christensen. My only concern is don't make this too much like Mando of an outcast that has to take care of a young person of some generation that's strong with the force and protecting them from Imperial forces of some kind. Like there were some early reports that may or may not be credible. So I don't know if I want to believe them or not, but there's some reports of reshoots because the show felt too similar to Mandalorian. But I don't know if I believe that, just because from the, the looks of it, show-wise, Kathleen Kennedy has really been hands-off with the shows, which mm-hmm. is probably why they've been really, really good and coherent storytelling-wise. But, what? Outside of visions. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for this. I'll be curious when, when we get this specifically, maybe summertime, but as a whole, the slate looks really, really good. That's nothing to say uh, about Mando Season 3. Mando, so far, has been, like, the reliable horse for Disney+. Plus. It was there at launch. It was the best thing available at launch. Season 2, for me at least, I thought was even better than Season 1. And there continues to be, with Mandalorian, this story escalation. The first one was very much about a lone gunslinger basically redeeming himself for his previous actions and becoming more or less going from an anti-hero to a straight-up hero. And the second one, we seem the expansion of the galaxy with Ahsoka, with 
the glorious Luke Skywalker scene that reduced grown men to tears, even though I think it would have been better if they used the Force theme during that scene, but whatever. I think they're going to keep doing that with Season 3. I think Season 3 will be the start of even bigger things. There have been some rumblings that, going forward, Filoni and Favreau might be not retconning the sequel trilogy, but inserting new stories in between... Uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens to kind of get fans what they were kind of hoping that the sequel trilogy would be. And I would not be surprised at all if Mando is the start of that. Uh, We get more Luke. We get more Han somehow. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to evolve and grow the universe. Like, think of Mando as essentially the Iron Man of this new Star Wars universe. He's the foundation that everything else will be built upon. And if that's the case, and if we continue the quality that Mando has been, sign me up, because I absolutely just love what they've done with Mandalorian. Absolutely. It'll be, I think, Mandalorian, just because of the, the universe expansion and all this other stuff that they're doing with it, and now that we've kind of wave goodbye to Grogu, who I'm not entirely convinced won't show up again later. Um, Oh, I'm sure he'll be back for season three. Yeah, I'm sure. I would think. A part of me almost doesn't want, because I think going into the season finale of season two, I was very much like, okay, let's wrap this Grogu thing up, and so that Mando can go on another set of adventures. But I just, I don't know what that's going to be, especially now that Boba Fett's going to have his own series. So it'll be interesting to say the least. Um, I think one of the only things that I'm really worried about when it comes to Kenobi, and I just had this thought, so I wanted to make sure I, sh- I shared it. I uh, There's a lot of stuff that happens in Rebels that involves um, Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, and I really hope they don't try to recreate that. I don't think they will. In, that, that's, in live action you know what i mean that's my complaint is as much as i loved rebels what they did with rebels with how they had obi-wan and darth maul face off one more time i was really hoping that that was going to be in a movie or a show instead yeah. not to disparage rebels at all i think that was a brilliant show and a very underrated show i think because too many people saw it as just for kids or that animation style wasn't for them but especially that final season, like what happens mm-hmm. with Kanan still will just emotionally wreck me um, and other stuff that happens. And I would have loved if you told me the plot of the Obi-Wan series was Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul one more time on Tatooine. Yes, please. But how they did it on Rebels was perfect. I just really wish we could have got that in live action form instead. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, but I do think there's a part of me that, wants to believe that the Kenobi series slash movie was not even in the works at the time. And so they didn't know if they would ever have that opportunity. So it did feel like a very good, like timeline wise, it felt very perfect. Like to slide that, that moment in right there. So I, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm excited either way. I will, uh, as far as Andor goes, I'll wait for a trailer to get any kind of excited well to go from things we're very excited about to things as of right now i couldn't give two squirts of piss about because god i hate this (laughs) franchise right now but it's worth noting because i'm sure somebody will care about it 
Fantastic Beast 3 now has a title, and it sounds like it's straight from J.K. Rowling's Twitter. Oh, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, releasing April 15th, 2022. Uh, apparently this thing is done filming. I, I What's another one of those what? I didn't realize they were filming. But okay. also, God, that's a terrible title. Like, that just sounds like Tumblr fan fiction, doesn't it? But also... Yeah what jk rowling has done to dumbledore ever since the series has finished sounds like bad tumblr fan fiction um i would be excited for this as a really big harry potter fan if i had not already seen the two previous fantastic beasts movie i've come to terms at least with the first fantastic beasts uh and where to find them i that's fine i can at least watch it but even then i think that's lower tier wizarding world but oh my good God, Crimes of Grindelwald is in the discussion for the worst movie of, what was it, 2019 or 2018 that it came out? That was easily one of the worst movies I've seen that year and one of the worst movies I've seen in theaters. I absolutely hated that movie and it really just killed all excitement for me going forward for this franchise. And the fact that you've just so thoroughly just tarnished the Wizarding World so quickly. It's only been two movies and you've completely just alienated so much of your audience, whether it was through the Johnny Depp thing, which we're not going to get into here, but that in and of itself, no matter what side you're on, of whether you think they should have gotten rid of Johnny Depp or whether they should have kept him, like that obviously is going to have a lot of baggage with this movie. Um, Johnny Depp being replaced by Mads Mikkelsen, which if you're going to replace him, I think that's good casting, but the reputation of the previous movie, the reputation of J.K. Rowling, which even since Crimes of Grindelwald has come out, has really been tarnished even further. Um, I don't see this movie doing well. And it, yeah. again, it comes down to this whole, yeah, we've got five Wizarding, movies, Wizarding World movies that we're planning. I'm going, never put the cart in front of the horse, Dark Universe. Should remind mm-hmm. you of that. So this... I've never understood them going, all right, we're going to make five movies off of material that has not been written yet. Like making seven or eight Harry Potter movies. That made sense because there were seven books that even before she wrote all of them, J.K. Rowling had a plan mapped out from point one, point A to point B. I genuinely don't know where the roadmap is for these movies. Like at least with Harry Potter, you knew, okay, by the end of it, Harry being the grown adult has to face Voldemort. That that's the end game. I would think the end game here would be the legendary fight between Dumbledore and Grindelwald that they talked about all the time in the movies, in the early movies that basically made Dumbledore famous. Then why is Newt's commander there at all? Why have we focused so much on him? Mm-hmm. This, at least for me, maybe I'm overreacting here, but the title calling it Secrets of Dumbledore just seems like even more of a hard pivot away from Newt's commander to, okay, you guys really are not responding to this Fantastic Beast stuff. We need to go back to what you liked, which is kind of what they did with Crimes of Grindelwald of we're setting some of this in Hogwarts. You're going to have certain characters, whether they make sense or not. Why is McGonagall here before she's even born? But continuity be damned. Uh, I, I don't care. I won't watch this movie. Like, they could have the greatest trailer in the world. I'm not seeing it. The last one was just that bad. And there's so many other reasons. I'm just like, why? Why do this? Unless you told me there's a completely new creative team, then I might be interested. But the fact that J.K. Rowling is still writing these, 
the stories have not gotten any better. In fact, they've gotten worse. There seems to be no roadmap. And that's not to say anything of the other controversies with this. Am I blowing this out of proportion, Josh, or you just don't care? Um, I think I'm going to try to be a little bit more positive with this because I think I personally enjoyed Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them a lot more than you did. Um, to me, I think it it opened the door to a lot more magical adventures that weren't Harry Potter related still in that world. And it, like just the idea that, oh, there's all these, all these different creatures. And like, I personally in that first one really enjoyed Newt. I thought he was cool. I thought I loved that. He, he, he felt like, like if crocodile hunter was a, was a wizard, like, and like, I am totally here for that. Absolutely. And then, but instead, like you said, they kind of pivot and be like, oh, well, you know, we really should connect this to the Harry Potter world, blah, 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 blah. Instead of going to what easily could be a completely new set of adventures and going to an American wizarding school, which would be like wild. Oh, my goodness. Okay, cool. And even from Um, WB's perspective, guys, merchandise, guys. Yeah, like, I just, and like, I'm just thinking like, as kind of tacky as it could be, like having a wizarding battle on a on the bones of a Statue of Liberty that's being built, like that would be so cool. How cool? Like the how? How do you miss that opportunity? Or I just when you say American uh, wizarding world fight, by I don't know why, but my immediate thought was riding on broomsticks, uh, having a wizard duel on broomsticks through the Grand Canyon dude or just like being taken like at, for your when you learn how to fight like you know dual with uh with spells you're doing it on a plateau in arizona like that's just like the visual would be so cool but no we're gonna go deal with dumbledore have his battle whatever fine okay uh i'm with you on that i dude i haven't even seen the second one i cared that little to watch the second one not because of I didn't like the first one, but because I could tell they were going in a different direction entirely than what the first one kind of sets up. Sets up, and I'm not here for it. Sorry. Also, let's also kind of address the elephant in the room: the secrets of Dumbledore. One could either be referring to his sexuality, which was never made canon in the movies, but J.K. Rowling has more or less made canon subsequently. Which I, I can't help but shake this feeling that Warner Brothers won't go that route and get cold feet about it because to have that anywhere in a movie would alienate a certain part of your audience but more specifically it would alienate china because china is very particular about the movies that are allowed to play and you want to cater your movies to china because you make more money that way i know shang chi was having some issues with uh being played in china so they had to like work around some things um but the other thing is, I'm going to spoil some stuff, Josh, for you. That's, oh no. Oh. In the second no. one, one of the reasons I just almost rage quit and walked out of the theater is, we find out, remember Ezra Miller's character from the first one? Yeah. His name is secretly a Dumbledore. He's secretly, Dumbledore's com- completely not mentioned once, secret brother, we're going. What? What? How? How is that even pop? <laughs> Wasn't he born to the lady? Like, that was... Like, that's... He's not an orphan. So, I... 
Okay. Welcome right. to my world. Right. <laughs> I'm right. just going, that doesn't yeah. make sense. That's a twist no, for the it, sake of a twist. It, so it, it could it, either yeah. be that. It could be the relationship with Grindelwald, which I'm just going, I wouldn't mind that entirely, but I don't think Warner Brothers has the guts to go all in on such a potentially controversial story angle because there's a lot of parents that don't know the extended lore and just know the movies of Dumbledore and then all of a sudden to have this what would be perceived as a massive retcon I think might cause some quite a bit of controversy whether you think it would or not I don't know if Warner Brothers would be willing to go all in with that I just there's a lot of landmines with this movie that I just don't see at least one of them blowing up in people's faces here yeah, and like JK has not done herself any favors. Her she like she's one of the other people. I have like a list of people that should just stop posting on Twitter or anywhere. Wizards like, don't use bathrooms. They just poop and use magic spells to get rid of the poop. I'm going like There's bathrooms in Hogwarts though. What are you talking about, bro? Like We literally what? take yeah. the sewer system to get to the Chamber of Secrets. Like what? No. And then like I mean, I don't want to go into detail, but some a lot of her like incredibly homophobic stuff and transphobic stuff and it's like guys you can't you can't just like i don't know man i there's there's so much that jk is doing like absolutely you got to give it to her for the for the you know nine movies that harry potter movies that are made fantastic beautiful great well done i'm always going to have an issue with snape but whatever um, there's the running gag on the internet that if you want to be uh, a wi- beat a wizard, just be in better shape than him because nobody lifts in that, in that world at all. But like, but <laughs> I think I get more and more upset just because Fantastic Beasts is where to find them. The first one was like genuinely like a magical experience for me of like, oh, there's other creatures and like, oh, that's so wild. Let's have this discussion about. Like, it's it's one of the discussions that the Witcher books have of, like, okay, so at what point do the creatures become the endangered animals and the humans become the monsters? Like, how is that? Like, and I feel like that was a direction we could be exploring with that first one. And, no. All right, cool. So because I just, that one under-delivered at the box office that needed to shift directions so drastically. I, I, you know why it, 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 you know why in my opinion it didn't do so well because the Ezra Miller thing threw everything off. It was so weird. It's it's such an odd thing in that movie. Like I, just, yeah. Anyway. Stupid. Let's bull talk cut. about something else that's gonna make me mad. Yeah, I'll be very curious because I I have a gut feeling that Josh and I do not have the same feelings about this, and that is we now have the voice cast um for the upcoming animated Super Mario movie that got announced during I think it was nintendo direct um so we've got names like anya taylor joy playing princess peach you've got charlie day playing luigi but the one that's getting everyone up in arms is chris pratt as mario and i don't know about you josh and here's where i'm gonna piss people off i don't see the problem with this people are going why isn't it an italian actor because at least for me voice actors it's their job to be any character that is required do i get tired of the celebrity voice acting gimmick yes i do of 
uh, as much as I love Kung Fu Panda, it's absolutely a victim of that. Did you need Seth Rogen and Angelina Jolie and Jackie Chan to deliver their five lines of dialogue combined? No, not really. But you look at the cast list of this. Almost everyone involved with this movie already has voice acting experience. So they're not coming into this completely new to voice acting. And for the Chris Pratt thing, I don't think it's the worst casting they could have done. I get people's frustration, but at least since it's not an on-camera role, does it need to be an Italian? Has it always been an Italian in the voice acting world? I'm not familiar with Mario voice actors, so I'm not sure. If this was live action, this would be very weird casting. But yeah. I, I don't hate it because it's voice acting. Tony Shalhoub has voiced numerous characters that don't always fit the profile. But we've also got Jack Black as King Koopa, as King Bowser, I mean. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. And is Keegan-Michael Keegan Michael Key, is he Diddy Kong or is he Toad? He's Toad. Which, even taking Chris Pratt thing out, which I get some people not being happy with, I'm not going to lie, the rest of the cast is amazing. The one that I look at and just go... Oh God, yes! That is inspired casting. Is Charlie Day as Luigi? That one absolutely. Got, that one got me really excited. Let's go. That and so, Jack Black as uh, King Bowser. I was like, I don't hate uh, that, that one's actually. Be interesting. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It's. I don't know how to feel. So my my thing with Chris is not necessarily that. Um, like he's not Italian. It's like that. I, I, I'm with you on that. Like it's voice. If, if it was live action, yeah, I'd have a pretty big problem with it. Um, but my problem is I just can't see it's. I mean, when you have the cast and Anna Taylor Joy as Peach, which a already makes sense in an animated sense, but if it was a live action, that's who I'd want as Peach anyway. So like, absolutely. Um, you Charlie want Anna, Anya Taylor Joy and everything though. That's because she's great. Um, she is great. She's pretty great. Uh, and Charlie Day, Charlie Day's Luigi. I'd want that in live action or animation. Dude. Um, Jack Black is as Bowser. I'm a little iffy on that. I love Jack Black, but I just don't want Bowser to be too comedic. But then again, I guess this is he kind of is. Bowser's kind of an idiot. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I'll keep going back and forth on that. Um, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, I think, is perfect. Oh yeah, it'll be. Dude, that's like. Yeah, his at, Puma was actually fantastic. Absolutely. The but to circle around, Chris Pratt, he can probably do a good job as a as a Mario. Emmett was but that, great, but like he probably could do a Mario. But I, I just can't. I guess I think the thing that to do when it comes to voice casting is always like, oh, I can I get that feeling. Like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, that makes sense. Like, Charlie Day is Luigi. I, like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Chris Pratt just feels like we need a big name that, that has voice acting experience. So let's put that – let's have him do that because we don't know uh, – because the last time we did a superhero, a Super Mario movie, it didn't go so well. So we It's a live action form. This is different. I know, but y you can totally see people – we see studio execs having that like well the last time we did this it didn't go well so we need to put a big name so people know oh hey we should go see this even though I, I, yeah i don't know man it, it'll be interesting to say the least i the 
the weird complaint that I've heard people say, and it's a super weird one that I do not agree with at all, is some people are going, well, why isn't this live action? Why does it have to be animated? I'm going, do you want it to be live action? <laughs> or they're like, it's by the same people that did Despicable Me? Ugh. I'm going, the art style for Despicable Me already feels so Mario to me. Yeah. Like, also, I'm, I'm not as worried about this as so many other people are because Nintendo themselves have been so protective of this property ever since that first super mario brothers movie did not go as planned they've held this for so long so if they trust chris pratt they're heavily involved with this process if they trust chris pratt so do i i trust their decision making process in this take chris pratt out of it i still enjoy the rest of the cast which when you joked and said we want anya taylor joy and everything it got the wheels turning how perfect would she be if we ever got a new Bride of Frankenstein movie? No, yeah, there. Because she's already got this, like, she's an attractive (laughs) young lady, but she's got a different type of style. Like, she's got a different look to her, I think, for most. I don't know why, but my brain was like, was expecting you to say, like, Amy for the next Sonic movie. And I was like, no, that's horrifying. Stop that. Anya yeah, Taylor Joy's voicing Knuckles. <laughs> Who is voicing Knuckles? Dude, the wait, Rock. They announced... Oh yes, absolutely. Let's go. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. Curious and Ryan Reynolds to... will voice Tails. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Nah. Don't you tempt me with a good time. I, I think the thing I'm most curious about is if if head slash when they bring Knuckles in is what version of Knuckles they're going to bring in because you have the uh, you know OG version, which is what we grew up in, the skinny guy with the big Knuckles, or you have the current version, which is um, this giant buff man with big old Knuckles. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I just I kind of I, I just want this, this shirt on you. I'm much more open to this movie, I think, than some other people, but I get people's hesitancy, so... Yeah. It's... It's complicated. Again, we could be on the cusp of some really good video game movies, so I'm hoping this is one of them. I still have faith in Uncharted, which hopefully this time next week we're talking about the Uncharted trailer because I still think <laughs> I still think it's dropping with Venom this weekend. I still think that's a very likely thing that's going to happen. Uh, we got our first um, picture from Last of Us, the series, so I wouldn't be surprised if we get a further look at that soon. I, I think we're in for some good video game adaptations in live action and animated form. So, And just to send people off even more angry, we're guaranteed that this will be better than the original because y'all 90s babies, Super Smash is not as good as you remember. Moving on! Yeah. <laughs> Moving on before we start that dumpster fire. Um, we've got another one of those Netflix is in the works or something and Josh and I don't know if we believe it or not because Netflix just buys things and then doesn't actually do anything with yeah. them magic treehouse uh but netflix has just acquired the entire catalog of raw doll books and they're planning on making it into its own film and tv universe so that includes titles like willy wonka and the chocolate factory the bfg um matilda isn't yeah matilda's a raw doll book uh, yeah um, um uh, james and the giant peach james and the giant peach the witches I would think this is cool, but Josh and I always harp on this. Netflix, you announce things, and then you actually don't do anything with them. And also, when do you have the foresight to 
build things more than anything. You would do three or four great seasons and then just go, okay, guys, that's all. We're canceling this because we would have to pay you more. Uh, however, this, I don't think this is out of left field because if you remember, Josh, a few months ago, maybe even a year at the rate we're going, uh, they announced Taika Waititi was doing something Wonka related to which I said then and I'll still say it now. God, he would be perfect to play Willy Wonka because <laughs> he's kooky and weird, but you don't know if you always trust him, but you like him anyway. So I think yeah. he'd be perfect for Willy Wonka. This isn't surprising, but I don't know if I ever saw Roald Dahl books, though, as shared cinematic universe quality. Like, I don't need James and the Giant Peach to cross over with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie and the Giant Peach, like... I think that'd be interesting of all of a sudden the peach crashes into yeah, the, exactly the candy factory <laughs> and they have to figure out how to get it out or uh, Charlie's chocolate like covered peaches. <laughs> there's a, there's a, we're being attacked. The giant peach has fallen from the sky. We don't know what to do. Ah. And the, the, the spider lady attacks Oompa Loompas. It's all out warfare. Bro. And then like, that's like the opening five, 10 minutes. And then we flash to like a Terminator style like movie of like James of the Giant Peach versus all of the Oompa Loompas. Like, oh, perfect. Um, they're like, the end of the world started with the fall of Willy Wonka. Anyway, um, <laughs> I. It's narrated by uh, Grandpa Joe, who just looks like Sarah Connor. He's got Stop! the thing. <laughs> He's got a gun that shoots I... melted chocolate. <laughs> I didn't know this is what I wanted. We're going off the rails so quick. No, no, no. Honestly, if you're going to do a a shared universe, this is what I want. Sorry. No. Because to me, A, like we always say when Netflix announces something, I'll believe it when I see it, bro. I'll believe it when I see it. Because I'm still waiting on Redwall. Narnia. Um, Gosh, so much. They, They have such a bad habit of announcing stuff and then not doing anything with it. So I, I'll believe when I see it. And also... A shared universe really okay uh I, one thing i could see would be like an anthology show so like do like uh, first season's like mm, let's say 10 episodes and you do a different book every episode they're not necessarily connected but they're their own story and you get to take your time with or like Take three episodes and tell Willy Wonka and the Charlie Chocolate. Willy Wonka and the Charlie Chocolate Factory. Wow! Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. There it's got it. Um, and just like take that, do that over three episodes. How cool would it be to actually be able to spend time with the emotions of every character in Willy Wonka? Like, absolutely, sure, go for it. James and the Giant Peach. Seeing that over two two episodes, um, spe- um, spiel would be fantastic. But like. I don't see it being a shared universe. That would be yeah. very, very odd. Like, what I could see by shared universe is maybe Netflix. It's sacrilegious to say, but I know we're getting new Wonka stuff. Maybe Netflix reboots and does a remake of Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory. And spinning out of that is an animated kids show about the Oompa Loompas and their native land. And you show the horns, not the horn swoggles. That's someone different. <gasps> Although... <laughs> Stop. Nope. Cast Hornswoggle nope. as an Oompa Loompa. Um, the but then, against the giant peach revolution. Netflix, <laughs> you will win me over. <laughs> like Mace Windu, if what you've told me is true, you will have earned my trust. If you have the guts, y'all, if you think Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is weird and bonkers, 
Wait till you read Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. If they turn that into a movie with evil strawberry people, like, that, there's a lot of weird stuff in Roald Dahl books. Like, man was great with kids' stories, but at the same time was a little bit weird himself. Um, or maybe, like, we get a new Matilda where she's the headmaster of the school now as an adult. I would love a Matilda reboot. Like, not to say that, like, the original is fantastic, but, like, updating it would be so cool. Ugh. Have, um, have the girl that played Matilda to come back to be the teacher? Oh, my heart. Because, <laughs> oh. you know, in the words of Zoolander, 90s nostalgia, it's so hot right now. Like, <laughs> I'm sure Netflix wants to... They've already done that with He's All That and Fuller House. So, I mean, find other famous IPs that 90s babies will flock to and spend money on iCarly reboot at Paramount+. Plus. Um, unfortunately, we will all still flock to it if it's done even halfway decently. But, again, we've said it before. Netflix will believe it when you actually do it because there's been a lot of stuff that you've promised us, but you've turned us jaded. But before we get into our main discussion, Josh, since you're the one actually repping the merch this week, tell yeah. us about our sponsor. So if you want to support the show in any way, shape, or form, go check us out. The link is in the description. Uh, at tpublic.com, we've got uh, a shirts. We've got Two mics. shirts now. Oh, that's right. We can announce that today. We've got a tinfoil hat shirt. The, what is it? The, the tinfoil theory? Yeah. Um shirt that just dropped and we've got i've got some more on the way as well but you can put that you get hats shirts mugs whatever it is you're going to use more of and use but you still want to rep the uncharted lint rollers no (laughs) oh i was like bro i'm missing out all right um (laughs) uncharted q-tips i think it's funnier that to to the idea that i would actually use a lint roller um more than a shirt (laughs) <laughs> more than a shirt uh, but yeah no there's so much uh stuff on there go ahead and check it out support the podcast any way that you can um so we can keep bringing you great content my guys well that was a wonderful speech josh but it won't go hey, in, in the list of all-time best movie speeches oh. um i almost thought about putting tv stuff in there but no i just stuck with movies so this week we're talking about movie speeches or monologues basically any scene or chunk of a movie that it's one character really just giving a whole bunch of dialogue all at once that really has to carry that momentum in the scene uh this list is a lot harder than we thought primarily yeah. because there's a lot of like famous scenes but they just don't hit us josh and i were talking um in the pre-show meeting of basically like i know a lot of people always talk about like dead poet society having some great monologues dead poet society doesn't really hit us either yeah. of us really particularly or like, hard yeah or like uh the the you can't handle the truth like that doesn't i've seen the movie yeah. it, it doesn't hit the guy's still wrong like sorry uh but yeah like i'm with you like the these speeches for us are the the ones we like the most and still hit us and i think at the end of the day, they're, at least for my list, there's still some, the ones that are pretty well known, but mm-hmm. they just they just hit us harder than some of the other, some of the more quote unquote mainstream ones. 
So I have nine. How many you got, Josh? Uh, I have six. Well, I got technically I've got nine, probably closer to twelve, just because I've got like three monologues from one movie in particular that I was just <laughs> like, well, if I talk about that, then I gotta talk about that one. Oh, but then that one's good too. So let's let's get that one out of the way. The multiple, the one that's got multiple entries, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's on Josh's list somewhere. Return of the King. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, if that was Lord of the Rings was one of those. I was like, okay, do I take one from one from every movie, or do I take most of them from Return, or do I? And so I just I, I on my list it's Return of the King, and specifically I put the the speech of the Black Gate. Mm, I do have that one. I have That's three from speech. Return of the King and one from Two Towers. Okay, okay, hit uh, me with them. Uh, so for Return of the King. I've said it before, and I'll always talk about one of my favorite scenes in any movie period is in Return of the King when Gondor's being attacked, and it's just, um, is it Merry or Pippin that's with Gandalf um, for most of it and saves Faramir? I think it's, yeah, yeah it's Mer- it's Pippin, because Merry's yeah, with um, Arwen. Is it Arwen? Yeah, Eowyn? A- a- Eowyn. Yeah, there's too many names that are close together. Yeah. Um, and... Pippin is just like, I didn't think it would end this way. End? Oh, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back, and all turns to silver glass, and then you see it. See what, Gandalf? White shores, and to a swift sunrise. And he's just like, oh, that doesn't sound so bad. No. No, it isn't. And then just a sense of calm of, yeah, we're probably going to die. But knowing that death isn't the ultimate destination, the final destination, so to speak, it's just comforting. It feels almost more like dialogue from like the Shawshank Redemption type of yeah. like relaxing. You're like, oh, that's so good. And then it's immediately interrupted by a cave troll pounding on the door. But the, yeah. <laughs> it's moments like that to make Lord of the Rings special of even when it's in the big heat of the battle, there's still these wonderful character moments of just personalization of character growth of obviously Pippin. No, Mary is the one character that Gandalf yells at the most. And he's the one that has this close bond by the end of it. It's just, it's so good. Um, and then, yeah, fantastic. Oh, and then a few scenes before it, uh, I shouldn't have probably done this in order. A few scenes before it, you get that amazing Gandalf and Mary think they're going to die. And then they get interrupted by their and it's um, the king of Rohan with all of his forces. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, what, how does it start? If I remember the start, then I remember the rest of it. It's just like something about like um, shields will be splintered. Swords will be shattered. It'll be a sore day, a red day. Then the sun rises. Death! And they all just charge in a battle. You're like, oh, yes. And it, oh, it's just good. And Josh, I'm sure it's probably like looking it up now or something. No, yeah, you know, just looking up some trying of these. To, I'm uh, trying to remember. Because like, they're just so good. I can't. Uh. Mm. And then yeah. obviously it's the one that Josh and I both have at the Black Gate. Yes, dude. So good. Like, you can't... <laughs> There's like like you and I will always say like, and I think we we said this when we opened up, 
this is like Lord of the Rings in general has fantastic monologues throughout the entire series. Um, the one that just popped in my head is uh, um, Bilbo's speech, little speech to, to Frodo uh, at the beginning of Fellowship, when he's like, "Be careful, Frodo, taking steps out your door." And I was like, "Oh yes, so good." Um, what the there's a there's a moment between Gandalf and Frodo again in fellowship in the mines before everything just goes hard like they have a little moment there talking about um uh time and what what you do with it and so there's so much good stuff but from like the black gate is as like the pinnacle moment like frodo needs us to to draw the attention so he can end it all they don't even know frodo's alive this is just like they're just like bro we're gonna go hard and it's our last chance Sons of Gondor, oh, my brothers, I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. Oh, so good. So good. But it is not. There's a, a day, day coming when, a day may come when right courage of men fails. But it is not this day. We forsake our friends and breaks all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. This day we fight. <laughs> You're just like, let's go. Yes! And all we hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West. For Frodo, uh, and then the little hobbits uh, with their little legs, and I love uh, how the dude. hobbits run, and then everyone immediately passes them just because uh, they got the longer legs. I can't. Uh, it's so good. I can't stand it. I'm going to have to go watch the Lord of the Rings again. It's so good. I just don't always have four hours a day to... <laughs> just, just, a, just a reminder that you do have the 4K versions in the Voodoo. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah in the regular and the extended versions. Why do I, mean, I need the regular version? I know. I was about to say the extended version of Boss <laughs> I was like, Man. why? <laughs> like, uh, this is not even like – this is it, – it, it's so weird. But this is like a dating thing for me. Like I've met people that are like I, – I only watch the regular versions. I don't have time for the extended. And I'm like, cool. So then so I don't, don't watch them for, then. I, I don't have time for you because the extended is the only way to watch Lord of the Rings. Anyway, so let's get back on Jocko's speeches before we go off on Lord of the Rings day. Uh, Which sucks because I'm going to keep talking about Lord of the Rings because my next speech <laughs> is from the end of the two towers. You know, it's like they tell the old stories in the Shire, Mr. Frodo. The ones where... Uh, the, uh, something about the light and the dark fighting each other. Do you wonder at the end of it how anything good could ever return after so much bad has already happened? But then the sun shines and shines all the clearer. It's those stories that keep you going, Mister Frodo. And mm. you're just like, oh, it's so good because <laughs> it really it doesn't even just fit in Lord of the Rings. It just fits in general of Sam basically saying, how can something good come out of all this? darkness and negativity but that's how all the great stories go is there's always that valley of darkness for the heroes to come out the other side and then to cap it all off the real hero of lord of the rings gets recognized as frodo's just like and where would uh mr bilbo be without his loyal the real hero of the story sam wise gamji he's just like don't make fun of me i'm not and you're just like yeah sam is the real hero you little whiner let him take the ring and just knock your butt out. And let him finish the job. I can't carry the ring, Frodo, but I sure can't carry you. Still the cheesiest scene moment. in the that is entire trilogy. I don't want to hear it. That is a great moment. It's so cheesy. <laughs> it is. Um, it really is. Hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean in a little bit. I'm gonna keep going with the the the, the battle speeches. Um, 
I don't like a lot of the classics as far as speeches and stuff like that, but and I rewatched it only to make sure that I still got the like the goosebumps from it. But the Braveheart freedom speech still gets me. And I don't know why, but it's just like, ah, oh, dude. Like, yeah, you can, when he's like, you can die of old age, or you can f- turn and face your enemies, because they can, they, oh, they can take your life, but they can never take your freedom. Freedom! Freedom! It's just so good. It's such a good speech. And honestly, it's a pretty good movie. The ending still, like, while historically accurate, is kind of like, oh, man historically inaccurate i mean they they killed him what are you talking about i mean that part is right but the rest of the movie is not known for historical accuracy correct yeah but and then you know what was it i think i saw uh braveheart memes pop up what was like five years ago or something like that that, when this when scotland voted to not leave the eu (laughs) and everyone was like what did what did william wallace fight for all this time but yeah, so yeah, speech from Braveheart, fantastic. Always still gives me goosebumps. Um, I say this often, while he is not a good person, Mel Gibson is one, just such a good actor. And even better, director. Uh, yes. I don't know why, but lately I've really been wanting to see uh, Hacksaw Ridge. <gasps> I had that on my list. Do you? Yes. Hacksaw, uh, mainly because like, I genuinely enjoy Andrew Garfield as an actor. Oh, he's so not good. Just, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one of the f- first few movies he did after um, after Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2. So, yeah. So everyone was kind of like, oh, Spider-Man's going to play a soldier? Oh, okay, whatever. And, like, the movie ends up being very, like, honestly, really emotionally compelling. And I really like the character that he plays. So the to all leading up to the the scene in the court trial about him not using not being willing not willing to use a weapon. Um, ha- have you seen Hacksaw Ridge yet? Mm-mm. That's why I okay. want to. I don't know how, but like it, the trailer came up in my recommendations. So I kind of like really deep dived into not just the movie, but like the story. Uh, is it Desmond Doss? Something like that. I've and I'm just it. like. There's no way this dude was real, and the, yeah. the movie actually downplays how awesome he was. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty insane. The dude like gave up his uh, basically his ambulance so other people could do it after his arm basically gets shattered, and he's like, "No, I'm fine. Go go help other people," and saves like what in one night alone he saved like seventy five people. Yeah, he's, on oh. his own by dragging them to the edge of the uh, edge of the ridge and lowering them down by himself and they're like totally exposed totally no weapon nothing and like to the point i think like the enemy like respects him and, and like kind of lets him do his thing to, to a certain point but um yeah no go watch it the i don't want to since you haven't seen it, i don't want to spoil the court scene um speech that he the little monologue that he gives um but it's very much Oddly enough, very much along the lines of the speech you just talked about with Sam, of, uh, you know, this world is trying to tear itself apart. I don't see the point in me not having the ability to p- try to put it back together in some way. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it's it's so good. And it's Andrew Garfield. The man can act out of a, pa- a, a paper bag. He's so good. Um, 
and I will stand on that hill for as long. I will stand on that ridge. <laughs> no, I will never disagree. Andrew Garfield is great. I just some of the movies he's in, mm-hmm. I'm going, mm-hmm. eh, but he's always great in them. Uh, getting back to battle speeches, just because those are always great. Honorable mention to Pacific Rim, which yeah. I remember that being a much longer speech than it actually is. Like, yeah. the full length of the speech is not very long. It's basically just blah, blah, blah. We're canceling the apocalypse. Insert it into every trailer we can possibly get. Uh, but it's not that long of a speech. But also, it's not on my list because it's basically blatantly copying from something that is on my list. The Independence Day speech. Because, I mean... Come on now. It's got to be on that of just mankind. You know, that word should have new meaning for us today. It's ironic that today is the 4th of July. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be an American holiday. And we are going to live on. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. As I totally butchered that. But it's just like, heck yeah, America. And then it's capped off by probably the greatest movie extra of all time. It's always that like... Um, fighter pilot guy that's got his gear on and his that overly enthusiastic salute that's just like 120 percent salute just you're like "Uh, did you give the speech yourself man calm yourself like extras (laughs) aren't supposed to go that extra um is it corny oh heck yes is it a little ridiculous that the president of the united states is fighting in a dog fight to save the earth a little bit but it's bill pullman so you don't argue with it i thoroughly enjoy independence day which makes me hate independence day 2 so much but that speech mm, it's a classic watch it at least once a year because you just have to is it the best movie speech around no it's probably on the list for the cheesiest speech but i don't care i yeah i do not like independence day as a movie so that speech only adds to the fire of me being like no yeah i'm good thank you I'm trying to think. The rest of my list, I don't think Josh... Well, okay, no, he's going to have one of these, which is just a given. Um, But we'll save that one for later. <laughs> Josh, how do you feel about a comedy? Because I got a comedy monologue on here. Bring it, my dude. Because some, of the, some, of the, some comedy movies have like the most serious of monologues. This is not a serious monologue at all. Oh, okay, cool, cool. But I always applaud just going, holy crap, this man just just carried the scene on his entire back. The amount of energy and the amount of dialogue and how fast this dialogue is spitting out makes me just love Tim Curry even more because Tim Curry is wonderful, especially in the finale of Clue. Josh, have you seen Clue yet? I still have not seen Clue. I'm adding it to that list of movies that I haven't seen out of spite. It's so funny, though. Clue is so good. So basically, Clue is a murder mystery. Shocker. Uh, And at the end, Tim Curry has solved the whole thing. But this whole scene is basically just him word vomiting out exposition for a solid five minutes while frantically running around an entire house. The whole energy I'm going... I'm tired just watching you and almost like no one else is talking. He's just like, okay, first they come over here and stab the cook ah, and then runs over to the next room then runs up the stairs. He goes, and then while they're upstairs, they run back down the stairs and then like pumping his arms like a full on sprinter, then goes back and forth and a full on Tim Curry, 120% energy while still spouting all this dialogue off. And then at the end of it, there's like this pause that you're almost like, I kind of feel like I should applaud you. Like this, this feels like a, a stage actor just had the longest monologue ever, and it's 
Is it the most serious and groundbreaking? No, but I applaud that Tim Curry is going like 120% full speed sprinting as well as still being ridiculously funny in Tim Curry. And it's fantastic. It's the only real comedy one that I can think of, but it's so fitting of just how I don't think anybody else could do this because of the amount of energy that is required for this scene. It's just exhausting to watch in general. Um, another one hard pivot away from this that I don't think will be on Josh's list, but features one of our favorites, Hugo weaving the character introduction to V in V for vendetta. Uh, when yes. he saves um, Natalie Portman's character, I love when he stands out of the shadows and just basically says every V word in the dictionary. You're going, I didn't know half these words existed, but the more you know, and knowing is half the battle. He immediately, <laughs> you immediately like are intrigued, but kind of cautious about this character, but you really, really just like him and you're curious to know more about him. I love the whole monologue considering you're really not seeing his face the entire time. So it's just Hugo Weaving's voice carrying you through the scene his mannerisms it's just perfect i love v for vendetta it's not my Absolutely. favorite comic book movie but i do think it's very underappreciated nowadays and it's only gotten better with time which makes it a little uncomfortable to watch just going yeah. how much they get right because like it's one of those that even heather really really likes and we watch it together and we're just going this is a little too real in terms of <laughs> it's a little too on the nose which is it's funny that you pick only one monologue from that movie because oh yeah there's a lot these like dialogue in general is all monologues like he has like a whole speech about making um eggs in a basket like a whole speech and it's like it's such a good good like you said it's such a good movie and i think deserves more attention but yeah like that the v speech is quintessential v for vendetta vendetta now, I've also said that a lot of people would have Dead Poet Society on their list. I do not, but I'll have no. another Robin Williams performance on here. Yeah. Goodwill Hunting, the yeah. better Robin Williams movie. And there's, again, a lot of monologues that you can pick from, but I'll go with the one where he's basically telling Matt Damon, screw you, you don't know what loss is. Like, you're just a kid. So basically, yes. Matt oh, Damon. At the park? Yeah, when they're at the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Damon it's like is just oh. like basically overanalyze him for a picture in his office and he's just like you're a miserable little kid you think you know me because you've looked at a picture you don't know what loss is you don't know being married to a woman and watching her slowly lose the soul in her eyes as you sleep next to her every night you don't know what loss is and they do not cut away from robin williams like the entire scene it's just him for a solid four or five minutes just talking to the camera talking to the matt damon's character basically going you don't know how hard life really is yeah you've had some bad stuff happen to you but you don't know me and you don't know my life but i can fix that and i can fix you you are intriguing to me because you think you can immediately tell everything about me you don't but i still want to help like it's so good and it's just peak robin williams i don't he's such a phenomenal actor and i love that scene so much dude yeah and he's like, you know, if I tell you, if I if I ask you about paintings, you'll you'll spout knowledge from every book on the planet about art. You probably know Michelangelo, blah blah blah. But you can't tell me what it's like to be in the Sistine Chapel, what it smells like. You know, it's like all this. I was like, oh, dude, like you you you've 
you, I could ask you about women. You probably, you know, give me a list of your favorites, and you know, you've probably ever even been late a few times. But you can't tell me what it's like to roll over and see the woman, and uh, see some a woman sleeping next to you, and be truly happy for the very first time. Like you, it was like, oh, stop! Like Goodwill Hunting is easy, and I don't know. I feel like saying it doesn't get the credit that it deserves is kind of it does, but at, we don't talk about a lot point. now because it's so old. Yeah, it's it is so old, but like, dude, that movie holds up. I I I watch that at least once a, once a year. It's so good, and I think that scene in particular, it, it definitely and it definitely adds to the conversation about what makes a good speech is because there's been so much leading up to that moment and then that only builds on the moment when he finally confronts matt damon's character and is like hey it's not your fault you know this right like it's not your fault like oh so good i got three more how many you got uh three more as well hollow hollow for a dollar fantastic uh give me some because i've talked uh, enough you're good um I'm going to save one of them because I think it's probably the same one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. save that one for last. Cause it's um, probably your favorite speech combined. Uh, she's so good. Um, the, let's talk about dark Knight. Let's talk about jokers. I couldn't really like narrow it down, but like, it's basically anytime the Joker talks about his scars is <laughs> like a small little monologue of like, that's a sp- And I think if I'm going to do one is specifically the one at the diet at the, the dinner party. Where he crashes and almost kills Rachel. I had a um, wife like you. I had a wife. Yes. You want to know how I got these scars? Because it's like the first real time we're getting to really spend any kind of screen time with Joker. And by good, like Heath Ledger's performance is so captivating that, like, I, they they cut away a couple times just, but that's more like just to show the fear on everybody else's face in the scene. But like. We don't need we don't necessarily need to see the fear on other people's faces because you can like just the way that he's he's speaking you can feel the tension like get so tight in that room and when he's like I you know and the only reason I was hesitant to put this on this list is because you got every neck beard weeb dressing up as a super fat version of, of joker being like you want to you want to know how i got these scars and <laughs> get it guys i've I, I seen movies too <laughs> still to this day you see a whole bunch of people going i can do a good joker impersonation your joker impersonation is not as good as you think it is people it's also not as original yeah. as you think it is it's it's like back in the day when people thought they were really they had a really cool personality trait in that they could be they had a really good golem impersonation. That's not a character trait. That's annoying. It's not as cool as you think it is that people that you've got a good golem voice stares directly at Josh. Uh, I might need to go tell high school Josh something. I'll be back. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, no, that's, that's a good. I think it's. I think it's a good. Like it's a uh, an example of somebody doing something with very little, but it, it being like a really short. Uh, monologue but still like being incredibly captivating it's nice that you brought up the dark knight because i've got a movie that when i first watched it and i still to this day love this movie didn't really notice it but now i rewatch it this movie steals quite a bit or quote-unquote borrows quite a bit from the dark knight in the hero finally captures the villain and on it was revealed that the villain actually wanted to get captured the whole time and part of their master plan was 
releasing something from the inside, Skyfall. And the whole... Oh, but Skyfall's so good. I do love Skyfall. <laughs> but it borrows quite a bit from the Dark Knight yeah, of a man that's angry at the system that destroys it from the inside after he was being held captive. Um, but the scene in question is the first introduction to Silva when he comes down the elevator and that's just the single wide shot. of You see the elevator come down and he slowly starts walking to the camera. There's no cutaways. When I was growing up, I lived on an island filled with rats. And we were trying to figure out how to get rid of the rats. Do you kill them all? Nope, because they keep coming back. What you do is you put all the rats in a little can. And then, do you light it on fire? No. Do you throw it in the ocean? Nope. You just let it be. And by the time you get done, there's only two rats there. And you just leave them. They all eat each other alive. And then what do you do? You release them back into the wild. They no longer are a threat. They see each other as the enemy now. They eat each other alive. And you're just going, oh, lordy. But also, I, that was one of the first times as a film fan, I was just kind of learning the technical side. I'm watching this going, huh, they haven't switched the camera in a while. That means this guy really had to know this whole story like, well, mm -hmm. um, and I was like, "What? Wow, this this is still going. Are we are we gonna cut anytime soon? Or is this just gonna be him? Oh wow, he's now all the way up in James Bond's lap, basically. He just did this whole spiel, this terrifying story, all by himself. Honorable mention to Javier Bedem, also in No Country for Old Men with Call It Friendo. Is this yes. your is this your lucky quarter? I don't know. Don't put it there, cause then it's not lucky anymore." What time do you close? I'm, I know that's all jumbled, but that scene's great too. But I'm just like, okay, this scene immediately establishes who Silva is, why we should not trust him, why he's unsettling. It's great. And just the you can the way he's telling the story, you can immediately just visualize it in your head of catching rats, putting them in a container and watching the rats basically eat themselves alive over time. We're going, no, thank you. But yes, at the same time, it's so good. Yeah. So good. I uh, I recently so shout out to um, everything great about that YouTube channel. Oh, it's so good. So good. He's been going through the uh, the Bond movies recently. Yes. And he, I just watched his Quantum of Solace one, and I was like, he has brought me so much appreciation for the Craig Bond that like I already had. Like I really enjoy. I think Craig's the best Bond so far. But then again, like what do you compare it to? Um, just, but like his analysis of Daniel Craig's bond is so spot on to the, like, to the point where I actually want to go back and rewatch some of them, even though Qantas, Quantum of Solace is not that good. good, it's still better than a lot of like the Pierce Brosnan stuff and like some of those movies. Yeah. So Cause like, Pierce Brosnan oh, was very hit or miss with his movies. Yes. As was. much as but I like Brosnan's bond. Yes. All that to say, Skyfall is so good. <laughs> it is so good. I can't. Oh, it is easily one of my favorites. And I'm hoping um, that this. Oh, geez. No way to die. No time to die. Next no week. No time to die. 
next week. Dude, it is crazy. Like, I'm going to have to put some of this stuff on my calendar. There's so much, so many movies that are coming out in October that, like, I'm going to have to, like, I might go pick up that AMC pass or whatever just, like, to make sure that I can see stuff. Well, I know at least one of them you're not going to be seeing at an AMC. I know that. Which one's that? Halloween Kills. We're not seeing that at AMC. Oh, that's wild. Huh. But you got is. Venom anyway, this week, which supposedly yeah. is actually getting good reviews. You got Venom. Um, why am I blanking on what we just... No Time to Die. Then Halloween. I feel like there's something after Halloween. Dune. Dune is the week after, too. <gasps> Dune's this month? Oh, bro. Well, it's go. in October. We're not in October yet. Oh, well, we're like three days away. We're pre-October. Okay. Yeah, like... <laughs> okay, also, I got a bone to pick right now. Because I went out looking for Halloween decorations today. Hobby Lobby is already a third of the store's Christmas. It is September, Hobby Lobby. Cool thine self. They have like two aisles of fall stuff. I'm going, Hobby Lobby, get your broke Christmas butt out of here. Let me have my fall (laughs) spiduff. I mean, you know, I was going to say something really controversial, but I I decided. (laughs) It's Hobby Lobby. It's Hobby Lobby. They don't like Halloween. It's a Christian company. You can't really blame them. Anyway, but yes. Um, let's talk about, like, uh, you, that was all me. No, you just did Skyfall. You just did yes. Skyfall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, I got two um, more. Yeah, same. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the speech in Rocky Six. Dang it. Um, let's save that one. Let's save ahead. that one because that's the, that's the one we both have. Let's save okay, that one to close it out. I was just like, I've been I'm, I'm itching to talk about it all the, all the whole time. No, what's that's your okay. other one? <laughs> Um, so my other one is um, Aunt May's speech in Spider-Man 2. Ooh, it's there's so, a hero in all of us. A hero in all of us, and that's what I think. Henry, we you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, bro, yes! Also, like, people at home, this is big because Josh has gone on record saying that he doesn't like the Maguire Spider-Man movies, really. Correct. So it's, this is big. This is, this is a breakthrough. So here's the thing, man. I... I'd like it's really hard because McGuire has three movies and Garfield has two. He's got one movie. He never had a sequel. Yeah, that's we don't talk about the sequel. Really bad. But um that being said, as cheesy as it as it is, Aunt May is part of two of my favorite Spider Man scenes so far in all in all Spider Man live action movies. One, it's in the first one where she's doing the Lord's Prayer, and the Goblin is 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 finish like, it, finish it, <laughs> like oh, oh, that's good. I got, I get like that was genuinely one of the first times I was ever like genuinely scared for a character in a movie that was not a horror movie. So I was like, wow, okay, and then wow, wow, and then Aunt May hits us with the "There's a hero in all of us," Peter speech in spider-man 2 and it's like oh which like, is like the most obvious like wink wink nudge nudge i know you're spider-man yeah. shut up and suit up again kid i know yeah. who you are you're not fooling me <laughs> yes absolutely and which is great but like yeah it is exactly it's the pinnacle of a character needs to hear something and to the point where we find ourselves sometimes in the place in life that the character is in, in of themselves so like 
excuse me, there's a lot of times where it's like, yeah, you know what? There is a hero in all of us. We all are, are, are capable of incredible levels of good. And I think that, to me, that's like Aunt May's speech just highlights that hardcore. And, like, the fact that we haven't had any kind of... As, as much as everyone's like, you need to have a, a great... A, a, a good speech for, um, you know, great power comes great responsibility... In and of itself, even in the Raimi films, it's not that great of a speech. It just has that iconic line, that's all. Which is why I think I'm really hoping, and I'll bring this up anytime we talk about No Way Home, I'm really hoping at this point that Happy is going to be Ben. Yep, me too, me too. That he gives, because if anybody can deliver a powerful like two minute monologue about the great power is you know requires great responsibility um it's got it's going to be john favreau and i'm so excited i really just i don't want to see happy to die yeah like uh, he could be like mr stark you know him he both did great things both good things and bad things he was Mm -hmm. full of responsibilities but he also misused that responsibilities from time to time Ultron, Mysterio, but when he was responsible, he knew what to do with it. He gave you the stuff that you needed, didn't he? So he knew what he was doing. He was responsible till the very end, and he wanted you to be responsible just like him. He wanted you to be better than him. So with your great power comes a great responsibility. Great responsibility. Just like, something oh, like that. Oh, oh, stop! I don't want to see Happy die, but like. That's the way to take him out. Like, absolutely. Ugh. Anyway, but yeah. Yep, so he's going to die so hard, he's going to take over Kathleen Kennedy's job at Star Wars. Um, I still think that's going to happen. Um, all right, my second to last one. Josh will not be surprised about the movie, but it might surpri- be surprised at how I worked it into here, because it's okay. been quite a few episodes since I've been able to talk about the original 1978 Halloween. And Josh is going, there's a monologue in that? There's not a monologue in there. Oh, heck yeah, there is. No, there's not. I saw a six-year-old boy. I saw a six-year-old boy with a pale, blank, expressionless eyes, the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. He spent every day looking at the wall, looking past the wall. And, oh, what he says something more than that, but basically just saying... I saw what was behind that boy's eyes is purely and simply evil. And the way Donald Pleasance, Dr. Loomis, delivers that line, you just that's all the motivation and understanding you need to know about Michael Myers. He is just evil. He's not motivated by anything. There's nothing upstairs. There's just, that's the best way to sum it up right there. He's purely and simply evil evil he's got the blackest eyes the devil's eyes which is one of those things that still bothers me uh one of the biggest issues that i have with certain halloween sequels and still kind of have nowadays of a lot of masks you see too much of his eyes as much as josh and i love h2o you see way too much of his face under his mask um you show his eyes it shows him as partly human yeah you're not supposed to see any eyes and even the new one we see too much of him, I think, at times, but they do a good job of never giving a full face reveal. Um, but we see too much of the eyes. But the way Donald Pleasance explains it, that's all the motivation you need. He's just evil, straight up. And I don't know if we could have gotten a better performance from anybody else. He's just, you understand the seriousness and the graveness of the situation there. And it's just so perfectly done. 
and then you have to go and give Hall <laughs> you have to go and give Michael Myers a motivation in the next movie which I don't hate Michael and Laura being brother and sister as much as some other people do but I do think it's kind of dumb that all of a sudden he's got this motivation which kind of goes oh so long as I'm not a strode or in the, his way of getting to a strode then I'm fine I think it's yeah. scarier when he just kills people willy-nilly which I'm appreciative that the new movies doing that yeah and which I yeah. Kills is gonna be a bloodbath, and I appreciate it. it. Like I'm excited. Like, I, and I think that's why. Like, I think there's like a. Jeez, oh, I want to say it's almost five to ten minutes, in 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 uh, Halloween 2018, where he's just like it's straight him going from house to house, yep. just killing people. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Although, yeah, as that's... much as everyone's just like, wow, there's that one great continuous shot. There's a cut halfway through, so it's not that impressive. When he picks up the hammer, one, he picks it up with the wrong freaking hand because Michael Myers <laughs> is right-handed, not left-handed. And people will be like, well, that detail doesn't matter. It kind of does when the first time we're introduced to Michael Myers is when he's stabbing his sister through the clown mask in the point of view shot, and we see it repeatedly throughout the franchise. It's well known that he's right-handed, so why is he picking up the hammer with his left hand? Um... And then you switch you camera angles, so it's, it's not as interesting bolt? that way. But, yeah, that that's a good tracking shot. I'm more interested with this new Halloween. How many people are going to be left alive, not how many people die? Because I'm more <laughs> counting going, all right, who's the Deadpool here? Um, who's, yeah. who's surviving? Um, is it going to be more or less than five characters? Because... <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to die in this movie, and it kind of makes me excited to see all the horrible ways. The early reviews are saying Michael's closer to Jason in this movie in terms of his ferocity, and I'm going, oh, no, y'all in the way of his house, so you done goofed. Um, so is he going to grab somebody in a sleeping bag and smack him against a tree? Because if not, if so, I'm here for it. If that happens, so Josh will die happy. I literally will like I'll I'll probably just die right there because like I there will be nothing left in this life that I could I, I could need more. That's because we've already had the other thing that Josh needs in his life, and that's a good Rocky Balboa speech. Yeah. Okay. So all right. So background. Ready? 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 Rocky Six was my first Rocky. I never seen a Rocky. Uh, I never seen a Rocky movie before this. I think I saw one, then four, then this. Mm, no, nope. I was all over this the place. Was, this was one of those, like, I'd never seen the other ones. And, like, it came out in oh, 2006. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2006. So, like, streaming years services, old. streaming services weren't really a thing. You had, and, like, blockbusters were, like, you had to go somewhere to find movies. And you better pray that they had it. So I hadn't really seen a lot of the Rockies or any of the Rockies. I really had any opportunity to see them. And so I saw this, and I was like, and he gives this speech to his son, which admittedly his son, like, is coming from a, a good, I don't want to say use the word good, but like a reasonable Understandable place. thing. I would yeah. probably be in the same situation if I had a famous dad. Yeah, like, he's like, dude, like, I'm feeling like you finally get something for yourself. I'm trying to not quote the speech because <laughs> it's like I can... I can hear it. It's like I, I start to get a little something, a little something for me, for myself, and this happens. Like that, I I can totally understand that. And then Rocky, in this as typical Stallone way, gives him this speech that 
it doesn't necessarily devalue his son's feelings. It's like, bro, I get what you're coming. I understand. But at some point, at somewhere along the way, you, you let change. somebody stick. You you change. You let someone stick a finger in your face, tell them you ain't good enough, and that oh, dude, it's so. I was like, coward to that, and that ain't you. You're better than you. that. <laughs> oh. well, I, I love when he really starts getting into it. He's just like, you know, you used to fit right here, dude. You used to be that small. Like it starts off gentle, and he's just like, um, you grew up. And you did every day. I was watching you. It was like a privilege. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You let people get a stick of finger in your face and tell you you're no good. Oh, uh, and then let me tell you and something then, you already know. The world yes. ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's, rainbows. it's a it's very mean, mean nasty, nasty place. Nasty. And I don't care how tough you are. It'll beat you to your knees permanently if you let it. But it ain't about Ooh. how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. How much you can take. Keep moving forward. How much you could take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth. Get what you're worth. But it's not because of you, him, or her doing whatever else. Uh, telling you you're not good enough. Cowards do that, and that ain't you. You're better than that. You're just Ugh. like, mm, let's do this. I think people forget about the second half of it. They always focus on that, like, the world's all, the world ain't all sunshine, all sunshine rainbows sunshine part about it. But then people kind of forget about the whole. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps and just do the work and get it done. Which, <sighs> that was your mantra for a lot of years though, Josh, wasn't it? It's, it still is. Of like And like, people who are into boxing make fun of me for it all the time. Like That's like the worst boxing philosophy ever. I'm like, yeah, but the speech isn't about boxing. Like, it's, Spoiler it's like alert, Rocky's like, never been about boxing. What? No way. Like, it just, it still is... Uh, my mantra in a lot of ways of like it's not about how, how hard you hit it's about how you can get how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward how much you can take keep moving forward like because there was like a and maybe that's why this speech hits me so hard is because like for a while it was it was my mantra it was the thing that was keeping me going I'm like bro I got this I could uh, like just show who I, that I'm better that I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I hate using this phrase, but like that I'm a winner and I'm not a coward. Like, yo, yeah, but like, I think the speech is culminated at the end. And to me, it says more about the motivation behind the speech is that ending, the, that ending section where he's like, look, I'm always going to love you no matter what happens. You're my kid. You're my blood and you're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. And it's like, oh, bro, like your dad telling you, like, look, dude, I love you no matter what you do. But you can't blame me, and all you can't blame our last name on some of you, some of the stuff that happens. Also, don't forget to visit your mother. Like, oh, yeah, just leaving that diamond there at the end. Dude, oh, so Still good. to this day, Rocky Balboa is actually my favorite in the entire franchise. Not just for this Absolutely. scene. I think the whole movie is excellently done. I like it even more than the original. I like it more than either of the Creed movies. I think just the story that's done with this of almost an apology letter for Rocky V. But yeah. the, I think the, the narrative is more interesting with a old, kind of re basically retired totally retconning rocky five of going mm. oh 
the athletic commission said i'm fine and completely undoing the events of rocky five which is totally fine with me um i just think it works really really well also i will still get up and cheer out of my seat whenever uh you get that great scene where oh who is it mason the line dixon hits him with a knockout punch he just goes to one knee and he slowly starts to start stand right back up and the look of panic on mason's face you're just (laughs) like i done goofed the only one that's better is in creed 2 when drago knocks him down and he gets back up he starts pounding the mat to get back up and then he stands back up the ref is just like what's your name make sure he's not concussed creed what's your name creed you're like yes like oh "Oh, no and he starts coming back and he pops drago and drago drops and then they waited till that moment to bring back the rocky music and you're just like way to make the music pertinent to the situation and not emotionally yeah. manipulate us with music way to go <laughs> <laughs> and it makes it matter yeah. uh so good and like i think what's crazy too is i do think uh six rocky six is the moment for me where stallone kind of accepts the his role more as a director storyteller and less of a uh he, you know big name to be acting in a film um and i don't say that to say that i don't like him in movies i most things he's in i enjoy him in um but i mean he writes and directs both the creeds as far as i'm aware or at least has a very heavy uh he wrote the first one was directed by um uh, ryan coogler and the second yeah. was stephen cable so jr he he's he definitely has a great way of telling stories and like Dude, I mean, it definitely helps having Michael B. Jr., but yes, it's just, like, he, to me, this was, like, the moment where he showed that he could write just as well as be, you know, one of the biggest action stars of all time. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you guys think? What are some of your favorite movie speeches of all time? We always like hearing from you guys, so comment your thoughts down below. And as we said at the beginning of the show, starting next week, we're back in the spoopy season, so we're going to have four weeks of Halloween-related topics. So if there's anything particularly you guys want us to do, we kind of have an idea of what we want to do. But if there's some great ideas from you guys, let us know. We'll always think about doing those. Uh, but yeah, it's the best time of year. And as always... Stay sharp with you guys and gals.